Hey everybody, welcome to School of the Rock, a podcast about faith, culture, and evangelization. My name is Father Bobby Blood. I'm here with Nick Senovich, and this is our 57th time attempting to record this podcast. Nick, how are you? Father Blood, I am a little bit tired of talking about this this episode. I think I think I think Mozart wrote his concertos faster than it has taken us to record one thirty minute podcast. You know, at the parish, everybody tells me I'm the resident millennial, but there's nothing that just kind of kills that title faster than you and me trying to figure out how to use a simple computer. We need to get some Gen Z kids up in here to help us figure this this, this stuff where out. Where are the kids who are on the Tic Tac? Can't they come help us out, do some uh, renegade or something to get this thing uh, running? Is, is Twitch going to help? I don't know what Twitch is, but we'll, I think... We'll call Beauty Blevins. My boy Beauty Blevins will say, hey, man, I know, uh, don't you have a young brother or something that could help us? Uh, but anyway, today we're talking about beauty. We're talking about transcendentals. We're talking about real things. Uh, but before we even get in the meat of the subject matter, both you and I... We're feeling a little bit frustrated, right? We took a few hour break to just kind of uh, calm down. We had some tacos. We had some tacos, get a clear perspective. We, we went separate ways for a while. For me, I popped over to a young family's house, said hello, dropped something off for them. I went on a little bit of a drive, uh, wind in the windows, beautiful moment, just kind of hit the reset button and realized even though this morning was a little bit frustrating, the Lord provided something uh, good for me to kind of um, begin again, right? To be f- refreshed by. Uh, how did you spend your last couple hours? I mowed the lawn and took a walk. So our, my recommendation last week was to go out and take a walk, and uh, I, I'm pretty faithful to that. So took a walk, called a called a buddy of mine, chatted with him for a while, and uh, I mowed I mowed the front lawn. And you're still pro walk. I'm still pro walk, even in 87 degree weather when I'm slightly dehydrated and sweating my butt off. Yeah. I'm still very pro. That's what happens when you start drinking beer at 10 a.m. You start to get dehydrated, you know? <laughs> is. is that how that works? Is that why it works? I, I think that's science. But anyway, we're talking about transcendentals today. And Nick, if you had to describe the word, it's a big fancy word. What does it mean? Doesn't transcendental mean bummed out? Yeah. Okay, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, transcendental. So the traditionally in philosophy and, and, and my philosophy is, is like a rusty nail. Don't, you don't want to step on it. Otherwise you'll get hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you get a faithful trip to the doctor's office. So I love that. That's right. Then you have to get a, then you have to get a shot. Um, but, but the trend, the three transcendentals traditionally are truth, goodness, and beauty. And all things that have being, all things that exist, have a degree of truth, goodness, and beauty. And, and to an extent, hopefully, they, they are pointing us to God, who is the fullness of all truth, goodness, and beauty. Right? And so beauty, I think, is a way in our contemporary or modern age um, that we can begin with. I think it's important to have truth. Obviously, I, I believe in the teachings of the church and its doctrines and dogmas and, and all that goes along with it. I think that truth is really important. I think that goodness and love and charity are really important. But I also think that beauty is an extremely important pathway to evangelization. 
And I think the church has been over the past 2000 years, a real great curator of beauty. If you've ever had the opportunity to visit the catacombs in Rome, you'll see like from the earliest times of the church, there were drawings and there was art on the catechism, you know, or excuse me, in these catacombs, um, there's, there's a depiction of Jonah and the whale. There's, there's depictions of prayer of Mary and Jesus. You see some of the early, um, the early, uh, beautiful Basilica, St. Mary major in Rome, um, in the fifth century has beautiful, stunning mosaic stories of the Bible and be- a beautiful depiction of Mary as queen. Obviously we know a lot of the beautiful, um, I'm skipping a lot of the high Renaissance art. Yeah. If you could just, if you could cover all of, all of the beautiful things of the Catholic church though, if you could just try not to miss one, I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my Ted talk. Yeah. Uh, But so I think the, that the beautiful is, is a way that is a way that um, we can be drawn in to God uh, in a real way. And I don't think it's just through sacred art, although that's really important, but also through, through nature. I love taking walks. I love taking hikes. And I'm always stunned by, you know, even something as simple as walking through the forest. You know, we at Rock Cut State Park in Rockford or going on a hike in Colorado or North Carolina, the places I've been the last couple of years. Um, but I think the beautiful uh, can draw us out of ourselves and draw us into something greater than ourselves. And hopefully that's God, but it can capture us. It captures our imagination. Uh, and, and I think that being captured by beauty is a, is a, is a way for us to, to encounter God in the way that he wants us to encounter. Him. Yeah. And what I, what I love about that is um, it doesn't discriminate. Like you're talking about beauty being a way by which we can evangelize the world. It's, it, it doesn't matter who we're speaking to. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter if they've yet given their whole heart to Jesus if we're talking about something that's just objectively beautiful, they're going to be drawn in, right? And we talk about subjective beauty, right? The things that we in particular find um, moving, but also there, there are things like some of the, the, the architecture, or even just, you know, a mountain, right? Things that are just objectively um, beautiful and objectively kind of pull us out of ourselves, right? And I think that's a, a wonderful jumping off point. Uh, in our own attempts to evangelize the world, because it, it's easy, I think, to say, well, I'm just going to jump in with doctrine. I'm going to come out swinging with history, both very good things, both very important in transmitting the faith. But first and foremost, I think we have to fall in love with the person of Jesus and the way by which I think we've done that. And um, the many souls who who need the Lord could fall in love with him is through recognizing that there is something greater than themselves there is something beyond that they can encounter in the world around them absolutely and uh i I wanted to quote i'm usually not a fan of reading quotations um but i wanted to read a quotation from bishop Barron. shout out to bishop Barron. free pub could you read it in the original latin though i can read it i'm gonna read it in greek and latin together Um, so Bishop, Bishop Barron has a book, uh, I think his first book is called And Now I See a Theology of Transformation. And he talks about the Swiss Jesuit theologian, well, he left the Jesuits, um, Love him. Hans, Urs von, <laughs> Hans Urs von Balthasar. And um, von Balthasar talks about beauty. And this is Bishop Barron. He says that there's something 
provocative and disturbing about the truly beautiful. It cannot simply be admired blandly, but must be seen and taken in, dealt with. One can grasp this arresting quality precisely, quoting Balthazar, in those privileged moments and encounters when something uniquely precious presents itself to us. Hmm. Right. So there's, and, and Bishop Barron says, notice how Balthazar speaks of the beautiful presenting and offering itself to us. So there's, there, there's an encounter with, with something that's presented to us, that's, that's offered to us, and we come into contact with it. And, we, and the thing about beauty, I think, is that we can't look away in many ways of something that really captivates us. Yeah, I love the phrase in there where it says it, it's taken in, like received. There's something where we encounter something beautiful that's outside of us, and then uh, we're able to kind of receive it, almost participate in it. And I think we've talked about this in the past, but like our tendency is to try and take possession of the beautiful to kind of to, to, to hold on to it and not um, not allow it to just kind of be where it is. Like for instance, you know, uh, speaking of the, the youths, everything has to be had, like no picks or, you know, picks or didn't happen. Right. The great phrase, like they have to try and capture it with the gram, you know, slap a nice little filter on there. But but even if we get the best photo, the most beautiful photo we could, we're still not really getting to the essence of what that experience was, right? You imagine like a beautiful sunset, you can get like the nice pink and orange tones in the photo, but you miss out on the cool breeze or the sound of the birds, right? You kind of miss out on all these different sensational parts of that moment that added into the beauty. And so I think uh, two things are happening. One, right, we're experiencing it all around us, and then we're receiving it, right? Because we have the moment before we've encountered the good, the true, and the beautiful, and the moment after. And there's something about that that changes us, where we're we're totally, not totally, but we are made different because we've encountered something beyond. You know, it's funny that you mentioned taking pictures because... Uh, before I did study abroad, one of the professors uh, was talking to a group of us that were going to be traveling together, and he said, it's going to be tempting for you when you go abroad to want to take pictures the first time you see something, to capture that moment. But he said, try to if you can, especially places that you know you're going to go back to, to not take a picture right away, to to let the moment take you or to really focus in on something and and be with it in that moment because you're, you're going to be able to see these things again a lot of them especially when you're studying in a city but just be be present to that moment that's in front of you before you want to go off and and uh and take all kinds of pictures because i noticed that in myself that you know sometimes i i don't want to stay in the moment or i, I want to be i want to be distracted or i want to make sure I, I capture it so i can show somebody else but actually, in a certain way, it's it's more beautiful to be in that present moment, and and we can it allows us to tell a great story, right? Mm-hmm. So, if we just have a picture, or if we have a video that we took of something, that's great, and we can show somebody else what happened. But it takes away, I think, from the from the relationship with you have with another person when you're describing what happened in the event, and kind of like what you're saying, painting a picture, um, because I think it's it's really good for us to be able to do that. Yeah, because it's there's something unique about your experience of seeing that town for the first time, 
that even if I saw the picture, I want to get at the essence of what did it make you feel like? How did it fill you? How did how did it um, how did that kind of hit your heart in a way that will be lasting? Because even with photos, you know, you scroll back the th- you pay for the extra two hundred and fifty six gigabytes on the iPhone, and you feel like forty of it. But whatever, you're scrolling back on the thousand photos, and you realize I remember some of it. Some of it was just I took a hundred photos in a, in a single day. And yet other days, there's one brief moment, one brief experience where we realize that was something that is going to mark my entire life. You know, because we talk about architecture and we talk about uh, nature and we talk about, you know, the sorts of uh, created world that is beautiful, maybe lower creation. Um, But also, I think there's something powerful about the person. Even you think about these instances when we do see these great things, a lot of times, the reason it's so beautiful, the reason it's so fun or so edifying is because of the people we're with, right? Because we're usually with a friend and we're able to kind of experience um, the thing and experience the soul of the person we're with. And maybe, just maybe, that person is the beauty that we're not going to be able to shake. Maybe it's that person's heart that allows us to be changed forever, right? Uh, can you think of a time in your life where you've been kind of struck by the personhood of beauty and encountering God in another? I think of, as Bishop Aaron quotes von Balthasar saying, those privileged moments of encounter. When I was studying in Rome, I applied to to work at the prison. We had to do some kind of, of, of ministry and mission there. And so I worked at the, I worked at the prison. It was an all uh, all male prison in Rome, and I got to know one of these inmates in particular. And I, I would go every week with with another one of these seminarians, and we would just have conversations with this guy about his life. He was not from Italy, but he had wife and kids in a different country, and 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 he got kind of caught up in an immigration debacle, and so he was basically stranded in Italy for many years. Hmm. And we really got to know him. He wasn't Catholic, but we would talk about the faith. We would talk about his struggles. And, and I, I really, I, I cherished the time I, I got to spend with him. And uh, late one Lent, I went to visit him. And he told me that Pope Francis was coming to celebrate the Mass of the Lord's Supper, the Holy Thursday Mass at the prison. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. And he goes, and... And I have been selected to have my feet washed by the Holy Father. And I was like, oh my, oh my goodness. Uh, this is, this is so cool. And at the time, because he's not Catholic, because he doesn't really understand, you know, how the church works, he didn't really know the significance of what was about to happen. And so I got, I got um, permission to, to go to this mass and, and I felt very, very privileged to be there it, um, in the, the prison, there was this um, round um, sort of foyer that um, is the like connecting place of all the other cells and, and rooms. So in this really small, like uh, round room, we had this mass and I could tell Pope Francis was really in his element. He, he spoke off the cuff during his homily, talked about wanting to be close to, to the prisoners. You know, I could really tell you had a heart for those on the margins in that moment, you know, asking, you know, telling them that we're with you, that, that to not to lose faith. And then after the homily, when it came time to wash the feet, I saw him wash the feet of my friend. I saw him kneel down, um, 
wash his feet, kiss his feet, and then and then continue to move on. And I was moved that by that encounter, just just being able to be there. But I talked to my friend afterward, and he said, I, I didn't know really what was going to happen, but I really felt like I met Jesus today. And he had tears in his eyes, and he was saying that he, he was saying that he really really felt that Jesus was washing his feet. And he goes, I see a man that is breathing heavily, that is struggling, an older man, yet he still is is doing this, this beautiful, beautiful gesture. And for me, I saw like truth, beauty, and goodness come together as one, right? Like in this action, in this action, we, we see a truth, right? The truth of the dignity of the human person. The goodness is the act itself, the washing of the feet, an act of charity, of goodness. And, and the beauty is this relationship between the truth and the goodness coming together and creating this moment, this experience that has struck me how many years later. And, and that, that moment, uh, like I said, has struck me as, has stayed with me. Yeah. And, and, and right there, even in you retelling that experience, uh, is a witness to me of the faithfulness of the Lord. Right. And I think this is exactly what the world is longing for. You know, in my ministry as a priest over this last year, and, and even as a seminarian, you you meet so many people who are tired, and some of them are lonely, and they're they're trying, they're trying their best to uh, to go all in in the faith and and to give themselves to the Lord, but it can be easy to kind of miss these moments of beauty, right? I just think about how powerful that moment was. For that prisoner, right? You think about all the things he was worrying about the day before, right? Um, maybe he was guilty. Maybe he's carrying carrying shame. Maybe he wasn't guilty, and he's carrying frustration with the system. You know, feels alone, far from his family. He said he's from a different country, right? So, uh, all those things, for a brief moment, are able to stop. Not go away, right? It's not like the Lord uses, you know, it's not like here's a shiny object, all your your troubles go away, you look over here. But just a moment to, to realize that there is something beyond the cross that I'm carrying. You think about even our Lord on the walk, right? If the resurrection wasn't on the other side, that's a much more difficult walk. Uh, and so beautiful that the man had that opportunity and that the Lord knew since the beginning of time that he desired to place you there to be able to receive that, even though it wasn't primarily for you, right? Holy Father didn't come to show you something beautiful. He came to do an act of charity for this man and for this prison. Uh, But again, like the Lord just um, in his infinite love and mercy places us in these positions to receive at these positions of, of uh, openness and humility that where this, uh, the power and the impact of those things that might be greater than us, can can uh, touch our hearts in the deepest places. You know, I think about my my own experience with um, s- certain people who have kind of changed the trajectory of of my faith. That might sound too lofty, but I, I think these moments that that rock our our socks off, so to speak, they they do they change our lives, right? I, I remember I was up in Minnesota and I was about to be at the the parish for the first time. I was assigned to teaching parish. And I was supposed to meet with the pastor. He was late. So I was like, ah, I'll pop in the chapel. And I, from the chapel, you could see the main body of the church. And there was a woman who uh, was crying. She had her head on the crucifix. 
and she's just weeping. And, and I was in my you know priest t-shirt. So she, she came over and I just studied Spanish uh, in Mexico that summer. So I didn't really know Spanish, but, uh, she came over and she told me in, in broken Spanish or her, her Spanish is great. I understood it in a broken way, uh, that she'd just been diagnosed with cancer. She's a single mother. She's afraid that her kids are going to be left alone. And there's so much kind of fear. And yet we spoke and we prayed together. And that image of her weeping on the cross, right, uh, has never left me. I pray for her very often. I pray for her family because there was a moment where I realized she sees the sweetness of Jesus. Even in the midst of maybe the hardest part of her entire life, she encountered the sweetness of Jesus. And that's kind of the paradox of the faith, even the crucifixion itself, right? Something that seems horrible, because it is, right? The death of God becomes this sign of victory and this sign of beauty that a man would allow himself to be given freely. And I think that is hopeful for all of us to say, you know, in every day, no matter how simple, no matter how busy, no matter how packed with work or family stresses or fear or anxiety, Christ desires to enter into that place, even in simple beauty. And I, I think what you hit on there in a certain way is one of the paradoxes of Christianity, which is that beauty and the cross go together, that even in something that's so difficult, so trying, you know, so, so frustrating. I'm sure she was anxious as well. There's still beauty in recognizing that, that the Lord has not left us. And, and that's a beautiful image in my head. I can picture it as you're describing it, you know, you know, holding on tight to the crucifix, to, to the face of our Lord. And even though it's tragic, it's, it's tragic and beautiful at the same time, I think. Yeah. I feel like oftentimes, because of the demands of, of every day, we miss out on these encounters, right? I think even sometimes we might feel forced to push past, um, to kind of rush through things in order to I don't, check a box, to finish a to-do list, to say, you know, I finished everything. I can call it a day, let's say on a Friday, right? You're, you're trying to get done by 4.30 so you can run. But maybe, just maybe, if we could slow down for a second, we would recognize that there's something for me in this place. You know, I imagine even in the office, there are times where I've gotten a little frustrated because I've got a marriage prep that's coming in five minutes and I've got to meet with my pastor that afternoon. And then I get a sick call to go to the hospital and I've got to go anoint the sick, but then this couple is going to be waiting. And anytime planning, you know, goes wrong, you know, this about me, I get a little stressed because I'm a big planner. I love when things fit. into. Really? Yeah. Right. I love when things kind of fit into their zone and, and uh, I plan far in advance so that we don't have these sort of uh, difficulties and yet they come. So I remember one instance where I got called to the hospital and I had a meeting um, at the same time and uh, I got to the hospital. There's no parking. And I was so mad. So I have a big old Jeep and I drove up on this rock pile and I parked there and uh, I rushed upstairs into the hospital and I was like, I just got to get this thing done. I have another meeting waiting. And yet when I got there, uh, it was a parishioner who I'd seen at daily mass, somebody who didn't know her name, you know, by sight, but I knew her face because I, you know, she's one of one of our sheep. 
And it was a beautiful moment of encounter. She'd just come out of surgery. Uh, there was still some question about, you know, how is she going to handle moving forward? And I was able to just be with there, be with her for a moment. And it, I'll tell you, the tension was there because I desired to rush back to the rest of the things I had to get done. And yet I felt the Lord speak to my heart, slow down. There's something to be received here. And I think that's an invitation for all of us to recognize that um, no matter your state in life, no matter what your your current experiences are, the Lord desires to, to bring us to a fountain, right? To drink deeply of the beauty that he offers. Um, but I think that's hard. In a certain way, it's like, oh, go, no, ahead. go for it. I was just going to say, slow the heck down. Yeah. Yeah. Slow the heck down. It's tough. It's tough though. Do you have the same experience in your own life? I, I do. I, I, and I guess I'll name a small example is I was on a retreat one time and the retreat master suggested that when we're eating, it was a silent retreat when we're eating to just, just stop and pause and savor the food. And I just remember how much I really liked that. Uh, when I would actually stop and enjoy each bite, I could think about what flavors I'm experiencing and have and have this you know time to eat actually be a time for prayer and for reflection and for gratitude. And I think about how often I just eat quickly and I'm not really thinking about what I'm eating. Even if I'm eating something I really like, I just move through it so fast. But if I stop and if I savor and if I enjoy whatever beautiful, even if it's a simple thing in front of me, I, I can be drawn out of myself and, and be called on to, to gratitude, to, to, to something more than just, you know, eating rice cakes or whatever. I eat. Yeah. And I think it's even to notice like all the senses we have, right. To, to notice um, what are the sounds that we hear? Like I've been on these silent retreats and you just, you hear forks clanging, right. Uh, and you. Uh, just like that SNL skit with Will Ferrell. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive a Dodge Stratus. Yeah, so you have that noise and you have what does the food taste like? And you might see whoever is bringing you the food or whoever the volunteers at the retreat center. Like these are real souls, right? So you're encountering all these different things through all these senses. And it can be easy to just let it all kind of mesh together. Uh, but instead, exactly what you're saying, to slow down, to take notice, almost to remember. right? Because I think oftentimes it's easy to kind of forget the moments I've encountered, the moments of beauty, even trying to recall in my own life, where have been the moments where I've been overtaken by beauty? It can be hard to pinpoint because life just kind of gets slammed together. And yet each and every day, the God who is alive, not dead, has desired to reflect to me beauty. I think that's a great place for us to stop this week. It's beautiful. And let's keep the tradition going and we can uh, we can move on to a recommendation, something completely different. And this week, it's your turn. Something Blake. completely different. Well, if you haven't heard, it's all the buzz. Uh, Hamilton is going to be on Disney Plus July third. Right? It's not July third yet. So what what am I recommending? What I'm recommending is hit up the playlist, listen to the songs. If you if you're super familiar with Hamilton. Blast it out, sing along. If you're not familiar, enjoy the soundtrack and prepare for uh, the great feast of, of getting to to see it uh, on July 3rd. I've not seen it live, but I think you have, haven't you? I have seen it live. I went a few years ago, and 
I don't see a whole lot of plays, but that musical was incredible, and I've never seen so much energy come from come from the stage. I was I I had I had a blast. What's uh, what's what's your favorite song from Hell? You'll be back. You're super good, super good. Great, great song. Yeah. I what about it. you? Uh, You'll be back is is my favorite I think too. It's probably Although, our favorite because we we sing it in my car so much. We do, we do. It's it's our both of our favorites. Yeah. And but I will say this: my siblings can sing everything from the opening, the opening song of Hamilton, and I I'm, I am kind of jealous because I don't have that kind skill. Of you don't have any ability, right? Right, and I didn't even need to tell you that. I knew I know you already. We'll make that. sure we put that in the show notes, though. That way, in case anybody doesn't listen to the whole podcast, they'll still at least walk away with that that truth. <laughs> show notes, Nick cannot say. Yeah. Well, good man. Well, it's great to hear from you. It's great to experience beauty, even though we started with some technical difficulties. Stephen realized today, the Lord provided a lot for us. Uh, and I trust he will provide a lot for our listeners too. One little uh, invitation. We just started a couple social media accounts. We have uh, both on Twitter and Instagram at school of the 815, school of the 815. Uh, if you drop a photo, send us a message, uh, tag us in a post. Where have you experienced beauty in a powerful way? Where have you uh, seen Jesus? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a place, maybe it's a story you want to type out and share with us. Whatever it is. Let's share those as a community uh, and allow the world to see that uh, Christ is not dead. He's alive. Amen. And we're also now on Apple Podcasts. So if you wouldn't mind smashing the alert bell or whatever whatever they say and leave us a review if you like what we're doing. And if you don't like what we're doing, then don't bother. Right. Us you can give us five stars if you're going to go below. You can, uh, you can rate Catching Foxes or uh, some of those other podcasts. But if it's fine, no free you pub. can give us ratings. No free pub. All right, Nick. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Father. See ya.